Well, good morning, NCC. How's everyone doing this morning? Good? It's good to see each of you here. I'm so glad that you're with us. And once again, if you're our guest, if this is your first time or if you're watching this later this week online, um, we want to welcome you. And let me start by introducing myself. My name is Aaron, and I'm the lead pastor here at New Community Church. We are a church that's passionate about making people and places new, and we pray that you experience that while you're here this morning, that you see what God wants to do in our lives and how he wants to make us new. And um, before we jump into the message, we have something to celebrate. This past Sunday night, we had team night. It was an amazing time right here in this room. Um, We had an awesome time. Our teams, um, all of the teams that serve here at NCC, we get together a few times a year um, for something like this. We have some friendly competition. This time God challenges about carrying the vision and carrying his spirit and the burden for um, NCC, what he has for it. And so it was a great night together, but we've got to celebrate the winner of the competition, okay? So we had an amazing turnout. We did some fun games together. You guys showed up, but our winner was the creative team. So can we put a hand? Caleb, come grab the trophy. This is our team trophy celebrating them. Our worship and our creative team. This is their little balloon animal. I know you may not be able to tell from the photo, but great job. Way to support. So you guys hold that trophy till next team night. And just want to say um, it's a lot of fun when we get together like that. But I am so thankful, even if you couldn't be here last Sunday night, for everyone that serves and for you using your gifts and your talents to impact the kingdom of God and to impact others. And so I'm so thankful as your pastor. I want to let you know I appreciate each and every one of you that serve so much. And this morning, we are in between series. We just finished up a great series on First Peter, and, and we're getting ready to start um, an, another series next week. But I felt like God just laid a message on my heart that I want to share with you about living a life of worship, living a life of worship, and what this means for us and what this looks like, what we see in the Bible and what we see in Scripture. And so my prayer is that God would challenge you this morning in a new way, that God would speak something amazing to you. Now, l- let me just tell you this. As I was walking through this message If you've been in church a while, there's probably not going to be anything new, okay? But I believe that we need to be reminded from time to time of what God's done, of some of the moments and the encounters, experiences that we've had with God. And that's my prayer is that that's what would happen this morning. You may not walk out with a new revelation, but hopefully you walk out with a reminder of the goodness of God and who he is. When I was thinking about this, I thought um, my wife has this app on her phone. I don't know if any of you guys have this called Time Hop. And it goes through your social media and it reminds you, here's what you were doing a few years ago or from your photos. Here's what was happening. And so um, every a couple of times a week, Sarah will send out a text. Um, so she sent one out this past week about us as friends serving together. And so it was just that reminder, like we have a couple of friends that served um, at our parents' night out. And this is when we serve foster kids. And so Amy and Emily, that's who you see in that top photo. Just remember, hey, seven years ago, like we got together and did this. When school starts, Sarah's always blowing up the text feed with, here's our kids four years ago as we were starting school. And I can look and see how much bigger when Micah ran cross country. And then all the way back when they were very little kids. This is when they were tiny, just seeing them grow. But it's so amazing, just that simple reminder of, oh yeah, God, it's awesome to see our family growing up and experiences that we've had. And that's what I'm praying God would do in our hearts this morning of bringing back to our remembrance some of the goodness of God and the faithfulness of God as we look at worship. 
Because each and every one of us, we are called to live a life of worship. This is why we were made. Scripture talks to us about this. And if you're taking notes this morning, I'm going to give you a number of scriptures so you can write some of these down and look at them again later. But Isaiah chapter 43, God tells his people, he's challenging them to declare the praises of God. And he says, this is why I formed you. This is your purpose. If you've ever scratched your head and thought, God, why am I here on this earth? God is just very plain in Isaiah chapter 43. I formed you. I created you. Your purpose is to declare the praises of God, to declare his works and his wonders to others. And this is why God has formed us in John chapter 4, verse 23. Jesus is talking and he's speaking with um, a young woman and he says, hey, God's looking for worshipers that will worship him in spirit and in truth. And so if you're looking, what does God want for my life? Well, he's looking for people that will worship him from the truth of their heart, from who they are on the depths of the inside. God is seeking out people. God's looking for people that will declare the glory and the praises of God. And so we're called to this life of worship. I was blown away this week when I was looking at this because 8,269 times in the scripture, God challenges us declares to us that we're to worship him. Think about that. 8,269 times, God says, you may forget, so let me just clarify again. I've created you. I've called you to sing my praises, to declare my goodness, to shout who I am. And so we are called to this life of worship over and over again. He creates festivals and celebrations, he tells his people to get together. In the Old Testament, we see the people of God ascending to the hilltop of Jerusalem and singing out about the goodness of God, remembering how God brought them out of slavery and all the things that God has done over and over again. He challenges his people to get together in a setting like this, to join together and to sing and to remember who God is and what he's done in his greatness and his majesty. And so what we're doing in moments like this, when we worship together, it's not a filler in the service, okay? It's not something like, hey, what do we do for the first 20 minutes? Oh, I know, we'll put some words on the screen. And we'll... That's not what this is. This is a command of God. And not just when we're in a room like this, but all throughout the week that we're singing and that we're declaring the praises of God. And we're gonna look at this this morning, what this does inside of us when we really grasp this. And it's a difficult thing, and here's why. Here's why. It's because for our entire lives before we've come to Christ, however long or short that may have been for you, we think the world revolves around us. We really do. We're a baby, right? We cry out, food, or however we scream, and our parents bring us food, or we need to be changed, and they change, and all growing up, like everything feeds into that idea the world revolves around us. And yet when you come to God, that's not the attitude you approach God with. See, whenever you come to Christ, and this is totally different than the perspective that we have or many have in the world around us, it's your life is no longer yours. We don't come to Christ to get something. We come to Christ to surrender our lives and to give everything that we are for all that he is. We don't come to receive this isn't about me anymore. Whenever I've chosen to submit my life, to surrender, whenever I realize, God, I'm a broken, I'm a fallen being, I no longer am a selfish person that says, okay, God, this is all about me. I remind myself and I realize I'm a part of a bigger story. 
And why is worship difficult? Because everything around us wants to talk about our rights. Well, don't I have the right to do that? Our wants and our needs. Well, you need to go after what? If it feels good to you, just do it. All of that. That's what everything around us is feeding. And yet in moments like this, we realize, wait, this isn't about us. This isn't about what I want. This isn't about what I need. This isn't about getting something. It's about giving praises to God. It's about forgetting about what I'm going through and beginning to, de- beginning to declare the goodness and the faithfulness and how God is worthy of all of our praises. And so we're going to look at a number of scriptures this morning that talk about worship and why we worship God, what we worship God for, and what that looks like in our lives. So we're going to start in the book of Psalms. If you have your Bible, turn to Psalms 104. And we're going to be in a number of different Psalms this morning, but you can turn there um, this morning and follow along with us. There is a Bible in the seat in front of you. You can open that up and and follow along with us as we look at these different Psalms. Or once again, you can write them down and and turn there later. Psalms is 150 songs, okay? They're lyrics, they're songs, they're poems that were written by people of God, um, talking about the goodness of God. They're talking about the difficulties that, that we go through, but the faithfulness of God. And so one of the first things that we see over and over again in the Psalms is we worship God for his creation. We worship God as we look at the creation and the majesty of God around us. So Psalms 104, this is a great picture of this. It says this, bless the Lord, O my soul, O Lord, my God, you are very great. You are clothed with splendor and majesty, covering yourself with light as a garment, stretching out the heavens like a tent. So he's looking up at the sky and he says, God, I look at the sky and I see your majesty. You lay the beams of of his chambers of the water and he makes the clouds his chariot. He rides on the wings of the wind. And then going down a few verses, the mountain roses, The valley sank to the place that God had appointed them. He set boundaries that they may pass and that they may um, not again cover the earth. You make springs gush forth in the valleys and they flow between between the hills. So he's looking at the landscape and saying, God, you're beautiful. You cause the grass to grow in verse 14 for the livestock and plants for man to cultivate that he may bring forth food from the earth and wine to gladden the heart of man oil to make his face shine, and bread to strengthen man's heart. Verse 19, he made the moon to mark the seasons. The sun knows the time for its settings. You made darkness and it is night when all of the beasts um, of the forest creep about. And then in verse 24, O Lord, how majestic are your works. In wisdom you have made them all. The earth is full of your creation or your creatures. And we read this and we see the psalmist and not just in this one, but over and over again, he looks at the world around us and he says, God, I I just pause and I see your majesty. And church, if we're to be honest, this is something we miss. 50, 60 hours of work a week, getting the kids to and from school and, and activities, all of the things that fill up our lives, we can very easily forget to worship God because of the creation around us. We're just too busy. There's an old saying that says, if the devil can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. And I think that's true of all, a lot of our lives, is that we're so busy, we forget to pause like the psalmist did. We forget to look around us and just see what God has done. We lose that in childhood. We become adults and we get enough answers. We get enough knowledge. We know enough about science and we lose the wonder. 
We lose this idea of the majesty of God and what he's done, and we stop to pause, and so we fail to have that wonder remain in our heart that helps us to worship, that causes us to see the greatness of God. But that's what the psalmist is calling us back to. Hey, look at the skies around you. Look at how God waters the grass of the field. Look at how the crops bring forth food for all of us that that we eat. Look at how God does all of this. This is an amazing God we serve. But once again, like so often we're so busy. And so I want to just remind you, I want to right now in this setting, just for us to remember the goodness of God. I don't know when the last time was that you got up early, that you woke up when it's dark, I know some of you are late sleepers, so that sounds like a bad thing, okay? But, but when you've woke up and you see something like this, a beautiful sunrise, and you see God painting the sky full of colors, and you see all of the beauty and all of the majesty that God has done. He didn't have to do that, but it's like every day he's trying to get our attention, church. He's trying to remind us that he loves us through the sunrise, through the sunset, through all of the colors he's calling out to us, displaying his love and his beauty for us to observe. And so many times, once again, we're rushing past it and we forget to worship God in his creation. When's the last time you just observed his majesty? This week, I spent some time looking at just majestic mountains, mountains that rise above the clouds like this and just stopping and thinking, man, God did that, you guys. With his words, he spoke everything into existence and the mountains and the valleys formed. And these things are so massive, they tower right up there with the clouds. And this is the God who says, you have access to me. You got something going on in your life? I'm here for you. And I stop and I look at a site like this and I think, wow, God, if you're big enough to create that and form that, maybe you're big enough to handle the problems in my life. Do you see what worship does, church? It realigns us. When we look at the creation around us, we remember the kind of God that we serve, the kind of God that we're following, the kind of God that we're surrendering our life to that can do the impossible. I don't know how to do something like that. And yet God just speaks it out and it comes into existence. And once again, many times we lose that wonder. And we, we had that sometimes as children, but we maybe lose that as adults. And, and so I was thinking about, back about that like, just looking at the creation of God around us. And so one of my favorite animals is this right here, the giraffe. I don't know if any of you guys like them. Um, if you go to one of my social media pages, it says future giraffe rider. I would love to ride a giraffe, okay? Don't know if anyone has a hookup or some way for me to do that, but I just think this is one of the coolest animals. And, and a while back, I was listening to a podcast, it was a few months ago, And these guys weren't even Christians, but they were talking about, they were just utterly amazed at this creation, that its skin is wrapped so tight around its leg, it acts like a natural compression sock. God knew to do that because he knew this animal is so large, it's going to be hard for the blood to circulate and flow like it needs to. And so its skin actually kind of pulsates and, and it's tight around its legs. So the blood continues to circulate. It's vertebrae, each of them lined up and strengthened in a way to support its neck so it can reach up in the trees and grab food and foliage so that it supports life. God did all of that, the massive heart in the giraffe to be able to, to support its body and its function. All of this, it's amazing. Now we can easily just kind of look and say, hey, we've seen that before. But when we stop and think, God, you knew all of that. Like you caused all of that to happen. 
You guys, this is a creative God. I sit down at my table, and one of my favorite vegetables is this right here. You guys may hate broccoli, but I love it. And I just have this image of God creating everything and him looking at Jesus saying, I made a small tree. Looky here. Isn't that cool? Look what I did. It's a tiny tree that you can eat, right? And this is the kind of God that we, he's full of joy. He's full of wonder. He's full of splendor. His creativity knows no bounds. And why am I telling you all of this? It's because when we worship, we start to realize that again. And I, I face these problems in my life. You face problems in your life. And I'm like, wait, if you're this creative, maybe you can come up with a solution for what I'm going through. I start to worship him, church. And I start to forget about what I'm going through. And I'm like, oh yeah, you're the God that made the mountains. You can definitely handle what I'm going through. You can speak whatever I need into existence. See, this is what worship does. And when we're so busy, we miss out on these opportunities to fill our heart full of wonder. I came across this quote about wonder and worship and giving thanks to God by a Christian author, Ravi Zacharias. I love him. This is what it says here. The gratitude that I'm speaking of is not sporadic. It cannot be spent or exhausted. So he's saying that wonder in our heart, it will never run out. It is a transformation of the mind that is more grateful for the giver than for the gift, for the purpose than for the present, and for life itself rather than for abundance. It values a relationship rather than the benefit made possible by the relationship. Even more, it is the capacity to receive rather than just the gift itself, to trust even when the moment seems devoid of immediate fulfillment. It is more than happiness. It is more than peace. In short, where there is no gratitude, there is no wonder. What Ravi Zacharias is reminding us is we're not people that worship creation. That's not who we are. So we don't look at those things and just bow down to, to kind of evolution or, or what naturally happened. No, we see God behind all of this. And when we pause in those moments, our heart is full of wonder. When we pause with gratitude, our heart is full of worship. And as we begin to worship God, we see that he is able to do the impossible. That's what the psalmist is reminding us. Hey, pause and look at creation and see the God that did all of this and start to realize and start to recognize what he can do in each of our lives. And so when you're feeling overwhelmed this week, enter into a life of worship. When you feel like you don't have the answer, begin to worship God. Begin to declare, God, this is who you are. I look at the creation around you, God, and I see all of your majesty, Lord, and I see how amazing and how good you are. And so we're called to do that, to look at, to pause, to reflect on God's creation, and then to turn to God and say, God, our hearts are full of wonder. We see that you are an amazing and a majestic God. The second thing as we walk through the Psalms is we are given this command. We worship God with our voice and with instruments. So we see the, majest the majesty of God. We see everything that God has done. And then we're challenged as the people of God, as the church, that we would lift up our voice with our voice and with instruments, and we would sing and we would declare the goodness of God. And so Psalms chapter 95 says this, Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. I want you to get that. Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. 
And then going down a few verses, for the Lord is a great God and a great King above all gods. In his hands are the depths of the earth, the heights of the mountains. We just talked about the seas are his for he made it. His hands form the dry land. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our God, our maker. Over and over again, and we're going to look at a few more verses. God says, hey, you need to sing. You need to lift up your voice. You need, to make, you need to celebrate, you need to rejoice. Whenever you come together, you sing and, and you lift up that voice. And so once again, it's not something we do just to fill time in the service. It's not something before we sit down and we hear God's word and we open that up. It's not just a filler. This is a vital part of our relationship with God. And so God commands us, I'm telling you to sing. Now, I realized this, I was thinking about this and I get a little self-conscious sometimes because I sneak into worship usually a few minutes late and I'm kind of going over my message. And, and I'm, I stand right here and no one else is right here with me. And my friends have told me, Aaron, you're a great worshiper, but you're a bad singer, okay? And so I assume that's why it is. No one wants to, to really be around me. And some of you may share that feeling like, I don't wanna to sing too loud, like someone else could hear me. Um, someone else, they, they may, and I'm not on key or I don't have the right pitch and, and all of those things. Um, but God's word just, he says a joyful noise. Doesn't say it has to be good, okay? He says, you got a smile on your face. You got some joy in your heart. Then go ahead and lift up your voice. Like, like just sing out. And here's the thing. I need some of you to sing louder to cover up my voice, okay? Those of you that are gifted, those of you that are good, just lift up your voice, okay? And, and then I'll be able to sing and be expressive. And that's what God's word challenges us with. Hey, there should be a song in our heart. When these words are up on the screen, this, this is not Christian karaoke, you guys, where we just kind of follow along. These words have meaning to us. When we're singing the overwhelming love of God, he chases us down. He's kicking down walls. He's climbing up mountains. He's pursuing you. And those words come alive. They're not just blank words on a screen or empty words on a screen. Those words have meaning to us that God, you came after me when I was broken and when I was hurting. God, you didn't give up on me when I thought I didn't have another chance. When I thought I'd used up all your grace, you kept coming after me. See, there's a power when we sing and when we declare that and we start to tell the goodness of God. And so the psalmist says in Psalms chapter 105, sing to him, sing praises to him, tell of all his wondrous works. And some of you, I, I know maybe you enter into that time of worship or you're here in that moment and you think, well, I'm kind of singing it in my heart. Like God knows my thoughts, right? Isn't that good enough? Like, isn't that okay just to kind of think, God, you're good in that moment? Maybe you're like, hey, I'm a little bit more reserved, a little bit quieter, but yet God's word tells you to lift up your voice. And here, as I was just thinking about this and meditating on this this week is, I realized worship isn't just for God. You guys, God's not up in heaven saying, hey, I've had a bad week. I'm kind of insecure right now and not feeling really good about myself. So let me get some people together and they can just tell me how awesome I am. And then I'll feel better about myself. Like, that's not what worship is. Like, God feels bad about himself. And so we got to take 15 minutes in the service and kind of pump him up. And God, you're really great. No, that's not what worship is for. It's not just for God, but worship does something inside of us. See, when we begin to lift up our voice, it's different when you think it in your mind. And yes, God knows your thoughts. But when you begin to speak it out and declare it, something happens. 
It releases freedom in the air and you get a group of people together and you may not know, but you're singing out and you're declaring that God, you're overwhelming love, raise a hallelujah in the presence of, you start to sing that out and the person next to you, they've had a horrible week, but all of a sudden your faith and your song and your voice begins to lift them up and there's something that happens in a room like this. There's a dynamic that we cannot explain in worship that we begin to encourage each other's faith. And so your song and your declaration Declaration begins to lift someone else's faith up. This isn't just for God. This is for us. God knows we need this in our life. We need moments like this of coming together. And so when we clap our hands, when we lift our hands in surrender, and I realize that may be odd for some of you, or may be different, there's something that happens in our life. And this is what the psalmist says in Psalms chapter 22, verse 3. He says this, God enthrones or maybe your translation says inhabits the praises of his people. And so I looked up, what does that word mean? What happens when we get together, when we're with one another and we start to sing? The Bible says God enthrones or he inhabits the praises of his people. It was this picture of, in the illustration they gave, it's it's when a king entered a room and they would carry in his throne and he would sit down and people would come And he was now enthroned and he would take care of the problems of his subjects. And that's what he's saying is you've got a problem and you come in and worship and God says, hey, I've got that under control. I'm going to take care of that for you. I'm inhabiting. My presence is here now and I've got the situation handled. You don't have to worry about it anymore. That's what begins to happen as we worship. God comes in our midst. And he inhabits that. His presence is there. And he says, I've got you. I've got you. I know what you're going through. Other people may not see it, but let me tell you, I'm the king and I've got this under control and I'm working on your behalf. You just keep praising because the answer is there. You guys, that's encouraging. That's exciting that that's what God does whenever we begin to praise him. And so there's something powerful in our declaration. There's something powerful when we sing it out. It makes a difference in our lives. And so he says this in Psalms chapter 150, praise the Lord. Turn to the person next to you and just look at him and say, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with the trumpet sound. Praise him with the lute and the harp. Praise him with the tambourine. Praise him with the dance. Praise him with strings. Praise him with pipes. Praise him with cymbals. Praise him with a loud crashing cymbal. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. And so do this for me right now. Just take a deep breath in. Take a deep breath out. That means you have breath, okay? No one's blue in the face here. I can see you guys, okay? You're breathing. The psalmist says you better be praising him then. You're taking in breath. That's God's air you're breathing in. And the psalmist says, hey, you need to praise him with everything inside of you. And if you've got skilled instrument skills or you can play different musical instruments, then you use that. If it's your voice, if it's your hands and you're trying to clap, just do that. Like whatever you've got, praise the Lord because he is worthy of our praise. And there's something that happens when we engage God on that level. That's right, church. And so we're challenged. Praise him with your voice. Praise them with an instrument. Praise them by clapping. That's what we're challenged to do. We praise the Lord. We worship him. So there's something that happens in our life 
whenever we declare that, whenever we begin to worship God. The last thing that I want to give you that we see in the Psalms, and we could go on and on of this amazing book of what God speaks, is we worship God in our trials. So we worship God in the creation that we see around him for his majesty and his beauty. We worship God with our voice and with instruments, and then we worship God in our trials. So Psalms 46.1 says this, God, you are my refuge and my strength, an ever-present help in time of trouble. Listen to this. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. And then verse 7, the Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. See, it's this reminder. Oh, you're going through trials. You're going through troubles. That's the beauty of the Psalms is they don't hold back. When you start to read these different songs and these poems that were written, they're very honest with God. There's moments where they're writing like, God, I don't feel you. And it seems like the wicked people are prospering. And it seems like those that are trying to do right, like they're struggling. And God, this is hard and this is difficult. And I don't always see you coming through, God. And yet every time at the end of those Psalms, yet I will trust you. God, even though it seems like the mountains are falling into the sea, and there's earthquake and there's disasters, God, I'm still going to lift up your name. God, I'm still going to declare. Why? Because you're the God that protects me. God, you're the God that looks after me. And, and I try to say this often because I know we come from different church backgrounds and different church experiences. And, and I know you may have heard different things, but you do not become a Christian because this is easy. You don't follow Jesus because all of a sudden life is perfect, okay? The Bible is not a magic wand that God weighs over your life and now everything is okay. That's not why we do this. But what we realize is, is in the midst of the storm, in the midst of the battle, we no longer stand alone, you guys. That's what the psalmist is declaring. You're my rock. You're my refuge. You're the God who protects me. You're the God who looks after me. And so, Lord, although I may be going through difficult things, Psalms chapter 62 says this, how long with all of you will you attack um, a man to bitter him? Like a leaning wall, like a tottering fence, you want to tear him down. They only trust the plans um, or to thrust them down from their high position. And they take pleasure in falsehood. They bless with their mouths, yet inwardly they curse. But then he goes on to say in Psalm 62, but you alone are God. And so, oh, my soul, I will wait in silence for my hope is in him. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I will not be shaken. Oh, God, my rest and my salvation and my glory. You are my mighty rock. You're my refuge, God. And I trust in you at all times. Oh, people, pour out your heart before God, for he is a refuge for us. And I was thinking about this this week, the trials that we go through, the situations that we go through. Thinking about stories in the Old Testament. You may have read these where God's people go out and they're facing a real physical army. And God says, don't take swords. Don't take spears. Don't take weapons with you. Here's your weapon. It's praise. And I can't imagine, I was trying to put myself, that you're already nervous. You're a young man and you're getting ready to fight in a battle. And, and you've heard about these Israelites that are coming. You've heard about the people of God who, who God does miraculous thing. 
and then you don't see any shields and you don't see any weapons and you're getting ready to have to fight them and all as you hear is singing. And I thought that would scare me to death. Wait, they're so confident in their God, they didn't even bring anything to the battle. They just brought their voices. And at the start of this service, we sang a song. God, I'm gonna raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemy. That's what the psalmist is doing. God, I don't know how this situation's gonna turn out, Lord. And I don't know how this is gonna end up. But Lord, in the midst of the presence of the enemy, when Satan is attacking me, when the enemy's coming against me, God, I know my weapon is praise. I'm gonna sing out louder, God. I'm gonna declare your goodness. I'm gonna lift up my voice, Lord, because my trust is in you, God. And I know you'll be there for me. I know you're fighting on my behalf. You guys, that's what worship does. That's what praise does. It allows God to step in the midst of our battles and in the midst of our trials, and he fights for us. He fights the battle for us. And so this is how we're gonna respond this morning, is we've shortened worship at the beginning, and we've created some time because after we heard a message like this, I said, I want us as the people of God to now practice what we've just heard, to practice what we've read about in scripture. And so don't think we're keeping you longer. We've created some time here, but we're just gonna do that. We're gonna take a few minutes and we're gonna lift up our voice. And I'm gonna ask you to stand to your feet right now. And we're gonna do this. We're gonna sing a little bit louder, church. And you can forget about the people around you. No one's judging you. No one's looking at you. And we're just gonna begin to declare the praises of God. And in the midst of our enemy, in the midst of what you're going through, whatever this week looked like, we're gonna lift up our voice and sing the praises of God. And so I wanna challenge you, let's begin to do this this morning. You can lift up your hands right where you're at. You can clap your, whatever you wanna do, but we wanna shout and declare the praises of God. So church, let's begin to sing this together this morning.